Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas that are sometimes informational, sometimes inspirational, and always entertaining on Stacy Connects. Hey everybody, welcome to Stacy Connects. I'm your host, Stacy Heller. I am back. It's good to be back. I do not have as good of an audience when I'm traveling as I do when I'm on the show. Welcome back. Thank you. Uh, weirdly, my husband and my son don't seem to listen to me as much. And it's maybe <laughs> because the people that are listening to me when they listen to the show are silent. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, hey, this show is all about making connections through conversation. It is about asking questions instead of making assumptions. And it is about my love of engaging with the elephant in any room. Whether you listen live or later, I just appreciate you listening. Please consider subscribing if you haven't already. If you would like to call in, you can call 425-373-5527, or you can also leave me a voicemail or text at 475-999-2726. So I brought JD back on the show. Welcome. Hello, everyone. I felt like it needed to be like a trifecta of JD. All right. A well, trifecta of JD. Well, also, I need to put that on my gravestone. I think. There you go. He's a trifecta. Me, myself, and I. <laughs> <laughs> the JD trifecta. Uh, I was like, oh, I want to tell everybody about my trip. Like, Portugal's such a hot spot to go to. I got everybody all worked yeah, up in, in a lather about it from last week's show with Catherine. So I figured, let me talk about it. However, it's like, it's not the same as if you have a friend that's asking you, like, so how was your trip? What did you see? And also, you have a certain uh, historical knowledge ah. that I completely missed, of course. And so well, maybe I'll learn something. <laughs> in in <laughs> retrospect, that happens so often, though. Even for those of us really into history, we can go places and see things and not really realize what it was that we saw mm-hmm. until later on, because there's just so much, particularly in Europe. There's well, so much. And as we'll talk about later, and I was telling you, when the tour guide would give historical facts the things that i would take away were like the salacious like ripped from the headlines oh sure details there's a lot of that in european history yeah it's good <laughs> stuff so i was like yeah 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 the marquis to whatever like from whatever to whatever but like he got around <laughs> yeah you're the so. marquis of Pombal, i believe is who you're talking about sure sure <laughs> yeah there yeah. you go so that's kind of my attitude. Now, I was going to tell a different story that is non-Portugal related. However, when I came into the studio today, I shared my chocolates with Eric and JD that I got in Amsterdam. So I'm switching gears. And Thank I'm you telling, for that, by the way. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, it was tasty. They're they're called Dame. Exactly. <laughs> it's D-A-I-M. And they it's are a, damn good. It's like a chocolate toffee explosion of goodness. So here's what happened. There, Will and I are on our way to Portugal, and we have a layover in Amsterdam. And enough time that, you know, we're, like, exhausted. It's been a long trip. We still have another three-hour flight. Um, You know, you don't want to fall asleep because you're afraid you're never going to wake up. Mm -hmm. There's not any place to really go. It's early morning, whatever. So we're sort of slumped in these chairs near our gate and this woman, young woman, walks over with her, presumably her boyfriend, and 
Now, I do not have any homosexual leanings. Wouldn't matter if I did, whatever. I'm just setting the stage that I'm not normally like, like, ooh, hot girl alert. I can appreciate an attractive woman. Mm -hmm. But clearly I was like tired or something because I was like, okay. She, (laughs) Eric is chuckling about this. So is JD because they're like, we can't really say anything. Um, Nope. (laughs) I was ogling another woman, the thing that you're not allowed to do openly. (laughs) And she's in this. You just got to be subtle. Yeah, well, I was not subtle. But I was you're like, not subtle. <laughs> you weren't just looking. You I, weren't just noticing. You were bearing oh, down. I was like, so you said, "I candy. I need real candy." Real yeah, candy. Yes, because so, <laughs> so so she's like young, brunette hair, long. She's wearing a denim zip-up jumpsuit hmm. and like this pair of boots, and she has this like careless, casual, cool way about her. And she is horking down these candies that are in red paper. like And they're small bite-sized candies. And they're small, like, it's like the fun size, right? Right. And I'm like, oh my gosh. She has perky boobs. She was not wearing a bra with her zipped down jumpsuit. She's young. She's cool. employed is what they call that. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, she's young, she's cool, she's pretty, and she eats chocolate like it's... It's like something out of a commercial. I mean... That's right. I think Dame right? <laughs> was doing some real-life viral marketing it there. Totally, because I was like, worked. damn, I need to get that candy, whatever she's eating. Because <laughs> like, I, too, can then be like the nubile young European woman in the zip-up jumpsuit except that i'm a tacky slightly overweight american woman who's like in a hoodie (laughs) (laughs) so i went to the store and i found them and i got a bag i'm telling you it was viral marketing of some sort i think eric's right Uh, it's true and i was like these are so good so i horked through those throughout the rest of the trip Mm -hmm. and then when we had the so i am just like and how many people saw that and said I got to get some of those candies. candies. Yeah, nobody. Because I... Did they notice a spike in the Amsterdam airport on the sale of Dame? No, but they noticed a spike on the scale of the plane on the way home. (laughs) And so I, when we flew in then from Porto to uh, Amsterdam, I was like, I got to get me some more of those. On the way back. On the way back. Gotcha. So I went into the store and luckily they had replenished. So I got a couple bags. Nice. And are you parceling it out like... Certain pieces per day, like parents with Halloween candy? Kind of, but I also looked it up, and I can get them from Amazon. Well, because you're throwing them around in here like it's nobody's business. Well, you know, I'm like throwing them around like dollar bills. <laughs> <laughs> and how many pairs of clogs did you buy? None. Okay. None. It's the only thing. Because at the uh, Amsterdam at the airport. airport it <laughs> tulips is, and clogs. <laughs> it's tulips, clogs, and windmill-shaped souvenir of items. Of course it is. And weed playing cards. Oh, because I needed a new thing. Well, I needed to break a 50. And so I made Will buy some weed playing cards. And the woman was like, yeah, no, I'm not going to break the 50 euros. So I was like, well, Will, did you just get like another pack or something? And he's like, "Uh, I didn't think of that. I'm like, you are a 24 year old man. Like, don't you know about like just whatever you got to do to like break the 10 euro mark so that they'll give you the change. Mm -hmm. Anyway, buy some buy some duty free something. Right. Yeah. So anyway, um. Okay, my other news of the week is that while we were in Portugal on the Friday before we were coming home, uh, 
I got word from our house sitter, cat sitter, that Percy had gone missing. And Percy, just so that there's not some big dramatic lead up, is still missing. So thank you. So I'm like sort of, I mean, the poor guy, he's, you know, we have indoor outdoor cats, primarily indoor, but occasionally they're outdoor and um, they don't come in until late. And, you know, and he's very conscientious about this because he knows that there's bear and coyote and bobcats and all that stuff. Yeah. And so he was up till the wee hours, but they just didn't come in. And then Cole was also out all night. He did come back, but Percy didn't. So while I'm in Portugal, I'm managing that, trying to like say to him, here's some suggestions on my phone. I made a missing cat poster. I signed up for like, Hey, have you seen my cat? Um, like the mailbox or the milk box things. Mm-hmm. And so that the posters would go out everywhere. And it was a lot. Um, then I get a call from a friend of mine, Erica Wood. You know her as well. I do. And she said, hey, I was on, this was Saturday. She said, I was on a Facebook page um, and somebody posted about finding a black and white cat. And it, based on the poster that you had shared, it kind of looks like your cat. So she connected me with this woman, and the woman had the audacity to have a life while I'm trying to figure out if it's my cat. She sent me pictures, and it looked so much like him. And so I finally connected with her, and she comes out of the house, and she's in an apartment. I think she's a single mom, maybe, with three kids. She's got a dog. Um, She's highly allergic to cats. So she just is like this cat. Apparently, somebody left the cat in a carrier next to their trash. And that's how her daughter found this cat. Wow. Right. Awful, right? Terrible. sad little black and white cat that's terrified. So I, of course, very unceremoniously, like, go into the crate and lift up the cat, and I'm looking to see if the markings are the same, and I'm like, nope, not my cat. And the look of, like, on her face, like, I still got to deal with this cat. So I, of course, being the bleeding heart that I am, said, would you like me to take the cat? I have two other cats, and I'm happy to take the cat and put them in my garage or a back room, and I'll take them to a shelter and figure it out and whatever. Right. And so she was like, oh, my gosh, yes, please, because I'm so allergic and blah, blah, blah. So I took who would become not Percy back to our house, and, hey, I gave my first bath to a cat because this cat – the carrier that it was in smelled like a mixture of feces and gasoline. Oh, boy. And so the cat smelled the same. So I was, like, stopped at the grocery store, and I'm like, what kind of soap do you use for a cat? And Dawn, because they use it for wildlife. Right. So, hey, cats don't like baths. No, they do not. Yep. Learned that the hard way. I mean, I knew that, but also I was like, I mean, how hard could it be? I watch YouTube. I see all these cats going in, like... You know, lounging, how, you know, whatever. Yeah, no. So <laughs> the cat was terrified, got the cat calmed down. I'm texting in my friend group talking about this cat. They are the ones that said, oh, you should call it not Percy and maybe you should keep it. You could replace Percy. I'm like, the body's not even cold, Hold people. Hold on, everybody. Yeah, slow down. Like, I'm not going to replace my cat who I think maybe got injured and is scared of recovery or maybe he went to rehab or like maybe he... Or he does have freakishly long legs. Mm -hmm. So um, 
anyway, my friends are chatting about not Percy. And then one of my friends said, well, you know, my daughter and her boyfriend, they just moved in together and they're thinking about getting a cat. So by Sunday afternoon, they had not, not Percy. Percy is now named Fezzik after the character in The Princess Bride. Ah. And living in an apartment with a cute young couple. And they are all kitted out with the litter box and the litter and some cat food and toys and the whole thing. And I am a godmother. That's right. Did a good deed or two. And the um, the funny thing about this poster process that you when you put something up on social media through through one of these companies, which I paid forty dollars for, by the way. Wow. So if that's not dedication to my cat, yeah, I don't know what no is. Doubt. So I'm filling it out, and it's like you know, name, age, markings, the whole thing, and it's like male, female, unknown. So. I am a very literal person. I didn't really appreciate how literal I was until I'm like, well, male. But then I put in the description, Percy is male, but presents female after a surgery when he was a kitten. (laughs) So I had a couple of friends who actually read the poster were dying about male, but presents female. They were like, you really do have a black trans cat. (laughs) I was like, I really do have a black trans cat. Yes. And you know what? Their lives matter. Mm-hmm. And on that note, um, I'm going to share my Staceyism very quickly, which is the law of attraction. So if I want Percy to come home, then I'm going to assume all good things about Percy. All good possibilities. All good possibilities. Like okay. if I want there to be a problem, then I can manifest that by thinking about all my problems and everything gets worse. Or I can just assume that Percy's good. He'll find his way. Everything's good. So uh, the law of attraction. Um, if you're going to be a magnet, be a magnet for good. So mm. there's my Staceyism. There you go. And on that note, now let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, I'm going to randomly have JD ask me about my trip. Sounds good. Come home, Percy. Thank you. Do you feel like you're stuck in a style rut? If so, take the first step on your journey and go to michaelbruceimageconsulting.com. Fill out their simple personal style assessment and schedule a complimentary, no obligation, 20-minute style consultation. Let the experts help you gain some perspective on your style challenges. Stacey Heller is many things, entertaining yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. Stacey isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacey Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to StacyConnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. Get your daily dose of variety. Alternative Talk, 1150. Welcome back to Stacy Connects. During the break, we were discussing possible places where Percy is. 
JD asked if I have a she shed. I said no. But maybe Percy is in a she shed and it's like squatting rights. He's like, hey, come and find me because I got you a she shed. Well, that's possible. Usually I mean, cats stay close by. That, that's they what usually I would say. do. Yeah. And I have walked within a about a three-quarter mile radius with the cat dish looking like an idiot yelling, Percy! You gotta do what you gotta do. Uh-huh. And, Good. you know, all these people are like, oh, you're missing your cat. And, of course, everyone has such great little tidbits. Either they share stories, like the one that you shared, Eric, where the cat went missing, a good-hearted neighbor was like, oh, a stray, and took it in. Um, or they're like, well, you know, there's a lot of coyotes around here. And then they right. make like the, your cat's dead motion. And I'm like, right. that's really helpful. Thank you so right. much. Well, I mean, the case of my friend who her cat went missing, the cat ended up being having gotten caught in the she shed. They got accidentally, the door got accidentally locked when it was in there and was in there for a week. So literally they're looking all around like you've been doing and the cat was 10 feet away from the inside of the house. Well, see, the people that live behind us, um, the renters moved out and I've noticed that there's not lights on all the time to indicate that there's somebody now living there. But the patio lights were on the other night and I'm like, is Percy living next door, like living his best life? Oh, squatting. <laughs> Right? Yeah. So, I mean, he landed, instead of a she shed, he landed a whole house. Right. So, way to go, Percy, but come home. Okay. So, hey, I went to Portugal. You want to ask me about it? How was your trip to Portugal? It was amazing. Was it? Yes. So, here's my analogy, metaphor, simile. I can never figure out the difference between them, so I covered all I'll my I'll tell you bases. which one it is. Thank you, Mr. Teacher. Uh-huh. I think it's simile, because I'm going to say, Portugal is like... Yes, simile. There we go is like a vibrant food dish. The food is very salty. Okay. And when you add salt to your cooking, mom, you should make a note of this, when you cook, um, it brings out the flavor of the food. You don't want to oversalt your food. Right. But it brings out the natural flavors, and so there's a lot going on, and they're more vibrant and crisp. It's mm -hmm. like when you go to the eye doctor, I think that's another simile, and they they put the things on, and it's like it gets clearer. Mm -hmm. So that's what Portugal felt like. The food is very salty, and I loved it. And it made everything vibrant. And the people were vibrant. The art was vibrant. The architecture was vibrant. Um, it was vibrant. The colors of everything are vivid, too. Oh, my gosh. With all the tile and all of that right. stuff. Right. Bright colors. I mean, part of that is the, the makeup from the climate. It's a, you know, it's a seaborne. It's a you know, or a coastal country, mm -hmm. so you have that, and so you have the a lot of terracotta style. Well, it was stuff like that. interesting that it's considered part of the Mediterranean mm -hmm. because there was when we were in Lisbon, or shall I say, Lisboa? That's mm -hmm. right. I worked on saying it. Um, there was massive cruise ships that were in port, mm -hmm. and like massive. And I'm like, what cruise are they on? And mm -hmm. it's part of a Mediterranean cruise. Yeah, it's one of, one of the far ends. Some of those start like in the Azores off the shore, go to Lisbon, then go in through past the Straits of Gibraltar into the Mediterranean. That's oftentimes one of the big starting starting spots for those types of things. I just keep thinking about me driving with my hand out the window being like, go around me. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't, I have no sense of geography. I'm like, aren't I on the left side of Spain? You are on the left side of Spain. You're on the Iberian Peninsula, the left side of Spain. There but because the Iberian Peninsula's eastern shores are on the Mediterranean, it's considered a Mediterranean place. Ah. See, we're learning so much. Right. right. Okay. 
Uh, so it was great. And it was a sleeper hit because Portugal is not something that was on my obvious bucket list of places to travel. Um, it was just sort of this opportunity that we seized, you know, like Pete said, sure, let's go to Portugal. And I was like, really? And then like quickly booked the trip before he could change his mind. And smart. well, you know, I'm not a dumb woman. Strike while iron is hot. Exactly. So it it's not that I didn't have high expectations. I just didn't have expectations. I didn't have time to like research and figure it out. And we worked with Catherine and Catherine put together an awesome itinerary. Um, and so I learned a lot, except that the first day it was a food tour. Ooh. So they probably should have put a note that said like, hey, we're going on a food tour. Don't eat breakfast. Or, you know, you could be smart than I was and think, oh, I'm going on a food tour. I probably shouldn't eat breakfast. But I was hungry. I had been traveling all the day before. Mm-hmm. So we started out at like 1030 in the morning and tried all kinds of things like ginjinja, which is a cherry cordial. Oof. And this is in Lisbon. This is in Lisbon. Okay. And tried a pork sandwich. Oh, yeah. Uh, like crazy unbelievable. And I'll mm-hmm. tell you what, having a tour guide in places like this the line outside this place was, I kid you not, probably 75 people. And our gal went right up to, like, the side door and was like, Psh, I need four. And got sandwiches and boom, done. Right. I mean, like, to not have to wait in that line in the heat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had the pork sandwiches. We had cod. Um, we had, like, all of these crazy – we had – um pastries called natas which mm-hmm. are like custard filled mm-hmm. um we had a port tasting mm-hmm. i don't even like port but i liked the guy so much i bought a bottle of port <laughs> <laughs> i was like you're so cute was he wearing a low-cut denim <laughs> jumpsuit <laughs> <laughs> that was unzipped Damn. Damn. <laughs> was that the name of the port Damn. Damn. <laughs> nobody was wearing a blue shirt maybe i have a thing for guys in blue shirts there interesting you're funny, Eric. Point <laughs> issue. Um, so, yeah, it doesn't take much to get me to buy whatever you're selling, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> I'm like, you're just do, cute. just do something out of a European ad and Stacy's and Stacy's in. Right. So watch out for fragrances because those get expensive. Yeah. Well, yeah, no. So. But it's okay. Um, so that was amazing. Now, we saw a whole bunch of things on this tour. Mm-hmm. And this is where why I brought you in. Okay. Because I'm like... So we went left when we left the hotel (laughs) and we passed this big monument. Okay. And it was a guy next to a lion. And this is the guy that we mentioned earlier in the episode. The 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 Marquis of Pumble. Yeah, him. Mm -hmm. So we had been talking at breakfast about, oh, Portugal seems like such a great place. There's like, you know. We're reading about all this unrest that's going on in the world and, like, these tragic, like, natural disasters and all these things. And we're like, oh, it feels like there's no natural disasters here. Like, it doesn't seem like it's that tumultuous in terms of, like, the political parties. (laughs) Like, this is great. So we head to meet the tour guide. And she's like, she starts with, so back in 18, like whatever it was, or 17 something or other, mm-hmm. there was a huge earthquake. 1755. That, that one. That leveled Lisboa. And I was like, all right. So there goes that one. Um, written, par- written about by Voltaire. 
in his famous satire, Candide. Indeed. There you go. Wow, gosh, you're just raising the the IQ mm-hmm. quotient here. Today. It's one of the first one of the first stories to invent satire, along with um uh, the guy who wrote Gulliver's Travels wrote one called um, Robert Louis Stevenson. No, never mind. Anyway. All right. Well, that's because you were trying to be. The Lisbon earthquake is one of the bigger events of that period in all of European history. It destroyed the entire city. Well, and we learned from the tour guide because, again, I didn't really focus on the year that this happened. But I do know that the streets were made wide so that it would be like the Champs-Élysées. And I kept singing then from the movie Gigi, Thank Heaven for Little Girls. And then I had to explain the plot of the movie Gigi to Will. And he was like, that sounds horrible. Do you know what it's about? No. A young girl who is the granddaughter of a courtesan and like one of her male friends is like, oh, hey, Gigi's growing up. And so um, Maurice Chevalier sings, thank heaven for little girls. Oh, boy. Right. Yeah. So. Didn't age well. Didn't age well. However, I'm still going to make Will watch it. So anyway, so we're walking down this avenue, the Avenue of Liberty, Mm -hmm. and uh, all of the cobblestones and everything in the park are done in these waves so that it's like a a visual, um, like a pull the eye type thing. Mm -hmm. It almost makes you dizzy, like you're thinking, I'm walking on like bumps. But no, it's the waves of the tsunami that came in and destroyed the city. Yes. So these are the factoids that I took away. Mm -hmm. Um, I also learned that Mr. Marquis Man was a romancer from way back. And Mm -hmm. while he did a lot of great things for the city, he also did a lot of women from the city. (laughs) I don't know how else to put that. (laughs) And was he uh, was hanging out with the royals and such, and Mm -hmm. they got a little tired of him doing that. And so they uh, sent him away. And the tour guide told us the story that Legend has it, he was told, you may never set foot on the soil of Lisboa again. And so he was like, fine, I'll bring my own. And so when he would come into town, he would (laughs) have his carriage filled with dirt and he would throw it down on the ground and he would walk. He'd walk on that instead. Well, he was the the governor. Loophole. Right? (laughs) He was was the mayor of Lisbon in from 1750 to about, I think, 1775. So like 25, 27 years. And that was such a position of power in the middle of that period of the Portuguese empire that he effectively ran the empire. And so he, while he wasn't officially a monarch, he more or less functioned as one mm-hmm. because he was, it was in a period where Portuguese, the Portuguese crown was in the hands of children, right? So they were still growing. Yes. So he was effectively in charge, kind of like how Cardinal Richelieu was in charge of all of France. Sure, sure. When uh, Louis the Sixteenth, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is really out of my purview. I'm more 20th century person, but this kind of stuff I find interesting. You're doing a good job. Thank you. Um, Yeah, so there was that. And meanwhile, I was like, oh, cool, art. (laughs) Well, and and in a city like that, everything looks like art. Even the architecture is like art and the the sidewalks and the the fresh. Everything. I mean, between the tile, which I learned uh, that at the time, the... The homes that had tile were actually the in the poor parts of town, mm-hmm. and the parts that didn't were the wealthier parts of town. Mm-hmm. And so that was interesting, um, because now it costs like a fortune to buy one freaking t- uh, tile from mm-hmm. Portugal. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, honey, we could bring some tile back and uh, tile mm-hmm. something. Nope. 
And he's like, mm, I don't think so. Um, so that was interesting. Then we took a tuk-tuk tour. Okay. Well, you either love them or you hate them because the tour guide was like, hate those things. And meanwhile, the driver was like, I love these things. Um, it's sort of like the uh, Lisboa version of like the hop on, hop off bus because uh. he would like take us to different places. And he's like, there's a big sculpture that's by the port. <laughs> and I'm like, cool. And, <laughs> you know, and there's a big thing that looks like a a moat in the middle of like on the edge of the water. And I was like. Cool. <laughs> and then it was like, here's a uh, military stronghold. And I was like, can I try to make the guys smile? Like, is this like Buckingham Palace where you can mm -hmm. like try to get them to like laugh or smile? But it was so hot and they did not look amused. So I was like, no, ah. don't, don't piss off the guys in charge of the armory. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I'm basically a child on a tour <laughs> is what it all comes down to. <laughs> But I was saying to you um, on the way into the studio, I didn't really appreciate the, like, yeah, it's on a port. I mean, the whole country is, like, essentially along the coastline and whatever. Mm -hmm. But I didn't really appreciate what a force it was in oh, yeah. trades and goods and, like, you know, the whole Brazil and oh. parts of Africa. Slave and trade. Yeah. I had Expansion. no idea. Yeah. In fact, it is... Um... I mean, it's it's one of the countries that helped bring about the modern era in Europe. And um, in the Age of Discovery, on the aftermath, in 1453, when the Ottoman Turks con uh, conquered Constantinople, which was kind of the centerpiece of all the trade routes that would go over land to Asia that were so lucrative and had been for so long, mm -hmm. when the Ottomans took that as part of their movement to try to conquer Europe, that cut off all of that trade to the east. And so individuals, countries, but also, you know, uh, merchants mm -hmm. wanted to find a new way to India, new way to Asia. And of course, the one we know the best in America is the story of Columbus going west. Right. The reason why Columbus was going west, however, is that in the decades before that, the Portuguese had pioneered all the possible traveling south along the coast of Africa. Mm -hmm. And we're in the middle of setting up trade posts and colonies uh, all the way down the African coast, and then eventually, um, not long after Columbus arrived in Hispaniola, the, the ocean blue, <laughs> they moved around um, what is now South Africa into the Indian Ocean and set up routes along the way, and they effectively controlled all those routes. And yeah. so they didn't allow anybody else to go there. That was the brainchild of Prince Henry the Navigator, who you must have seen if you were in Lisbon, must have seen the giant statue of Prince Henry the Navigator Casting his hand out over the ocean. Yes. Yes. Yes, I One did. One of the most important figures of that period in all of human history, actually, because of what he did. Does It's not a good legacy in the end, because, of course, along those same Portuguese trade routes is where a lot of the slave trade, the African slave trade started. Right. And, of course, you mentioned Brazil. That was the biggest slave-owning uh, colony in the world by a large margin. Mm -hmm. And the Portuguese were not exactly known for being benevolent colonists. I'm not sure there is such a thing, but certainly for them, they were, they're kind of beyond the pale in a lot of ways. So their history is shaky in that regard. But what's interesting is the Portuguese empire, the last remnants of it didn't dissolve in this, in the world until 1975. Is that with that dictator? 
end of that. Yeah, and then the, the Declaration of Independence of several countries in Africa. So, but it lasts till 1975. Wow, I was alive then. Yeah, yeah. I was five. Yeah, so it's it had it had quite a level of importance in terms of, I mean, certainly the technological development the, of Europe, the eventual domination of Europe over the you know the political and economic mm-hmm. scene around the world. They were, of course, great innovators in maritime technology to do all these things, and they helped build the modern economy. Of course, the big question then is at what cost, right? Right. And they aren't the only ones, right? Other countries in Europe are, totally. were doing that kind of chicanery as well. But yeah, it's people don't really realize that about Portugal. No, I mean, you so always tiny. think of it as like Spain's side chick. <laughs> it's in the sidecar of the yes, Iberian Peninsula. The, yes, 100%. <laughs> like, yeah. And like, they don't speak the same language. No, although, don't. you know, it's like, I I really worked on my um, Obrigada uh-huh. and my Ola mm-hmm. and my Lisboa. Mm-hmm. And by the end, when I was in Porto, uh, the gentleman, uh, Vitor, who gave our cooking class, he was like, oh, you said that really well. Oh, that's nice. Because those things are hard to pick up, those little inflections and mm-hmm. things you get in any language, particularly Portuguese. So I was really good at saying Lisboa. It's a beautiful language to listen to. It is. It really it is. It has some, uh, almost some like, uh, like Russian, like, there's, uh, there's sounds. Kind of the, there's the some shirt, hardness. Shirt, yes, shirt. Yeah. a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was amazing. Then got on a train and headed to Porto. Mm-hmm. And we spent most of our time in Porto. So loved Porto more than Lisbon. Oh. Lisbon, big metropolis. Yeah. Uh, when you did the hop-on, hop-off, tuk-tuk tour, <laughs> um. You Look were at the moat over there, <laughs> and the statue over right. there. Right, and then it was like, "Hey, here's the artist community." Which, by the way, that was really cool. It's called like the um, the FX, the LX factory or something. Mm. And they took an old factory, and then all of the artists have converted it oh, into cool. studios and stuff. Very, very cool. Nice, loved that. And then there was a lot of street art that's commissioned. They yeah. really commission their street artists to do pieces. And as we were on the that part of the tour on the bridge, there was this huge piece of art that had all of these items, like a jar of mayonnaise and some other things. And it was like, why is this there? And it's like, oh, because the dictator that ruled for 15 years wouldn't let things um, that are imported from other countries into the country. I'm mm-hmm. like, dictatorship? <laughs> so there went that yeah. thing that I was like, so much for political unrest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I mean, it's a long it was, history of I'm that like Hellman's like that's poor, that's during a modern time. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it's like, again, these are the things I pick up from history. Uh-huh. Um, so going to Porto or so being in Lisbon, there was just like big areas of the city that you didn't necessarily ha- see how the pieces connected. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, OK, we went to one section of town and to another section of town and, you know, whatever. But when we got to Porto. It felt much more manageable. Mm-hmm. So that leads me to believe I'm not a city girl. I'm like a, a smaller city girl because I loved that I started to recognize like the way to get someplace and, you oh, know, all always, that kind of that's stuff. That's always great when you're abroad to mm-hmm. learn that. Yeah. Yeah. And that uh, was amazing. And we had a tour guide. Her name was Francisca. I'm going to see if I can get her actually to be a guest on the show. Great idea. Not as much to, yes, to talk about Portugal, but what was so great about her is that by day, 
She's an architect. By weekend and evenings and holidays, she's a tour guide. And so she has a deep history and respect for Porto. She was born and raised there. And she, as an architect, she's like, we have an interesting conundrum because we, like, the Romans were here. We've got a wall that was Mm -hmm. built. We've got the Moors that were here. We've got all of these people that came and all these, like, literal layers of history. And so when we're digging for a building, like, we run into these ruins all the time and it's like, oh, there's another ruin. Mm -hmm. And she was telling us these, like, there's some warehouse in Porto that let's say they dug some stuff up and they found tiles. They archive everything. And so then when you are uh, rebuilding your building, if you're looking for, you have maybe some tiles which are missing a few or some flourishes or details for the building to keep it within the tradition of the area of where you are building and everything, you can go to this warehouse and they'll be like, oh, yeah, we have some of those tiles for you that you can use for Mm -hmm. free. Because they want to use all the original products. Right. So, like, it's amazing the details that she pointed out that were so sustainable. Like, the streets, they're doing construction. So they put down a slab for the sidewalk and they put down essentially, like, a tarp over the cobblestone road, pour concrete, and um, covered up with sidewalk the lane of the of the road so that people could walk safely. But then... When they're done with the construction, they'll just take out the sidewalk and the cobblestones will not be uh, damaged in any way. Oh, interesting. And when you're walking on the streets, you see piles of these cobblestones and nobody just like throws them away. They just sort of like sweep them into the corner like cat food. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we'll fix that eventually. And just everybody leaves them there and they'll fix them eventually. Mm Mm-hmm. So the architecture, it was fascinating. She talked about the um, the train station in Porto and how they uh, were trying to figure out a way to make it easier because as a port and bringing things in, it was so hard to get the stuff from the river to, like, inland. And so they were like, I know, let's get a steam engine. And so they were building this train station, and even the dynamite couldn't get through the rock. <laughs> So it was all hand done. Oof. And Oof. it was just fascinating. Um it's a lot of work. A lot of work. It's a lot of work. I'm like, yeah. Um, she took us to the McDonald's and I was like, I don't really want to go to McDonald's. And she said, No, but you don't understand. This used to be the old imperial something or other. Um, because again, I didn't pay attention to the details. Right. Yes, mom, I am more like you every day. Um <laughs> And so when they signed over the lease to McDonald's, they said, fine, but you have to leave everything. And so they took out the furniture and another restaurant in town took all of the furniture from this place. But all the chandeliers and all of the tiles and paintings and all the details of the building are still intact at this McDonald's. It is the single most beautiful McDonald's you'll ever go into. Wow. And they serve pea soup. Of course. Which is weird. It's like a like it was like a royal old royal palace or hotel or yeah I'll look up what it okay. said. Do they have something like the Mick Royal or anything? They like that? do. Uh-huh. I kid you not. Yeah, Royale with cheese. <sighs> Whatever you don't. Have you seen Pulp Fiction? They talked about that in Pulp Fiction. Oh, you know what they call the yeah. quarter pounder in a- they were talking about Amsterdam. You know, but you know. Yeah. The Royale with cheese, but yeah, the Mick Royal. That's so a European smart. thing. It's a European thing. 
All right. Um, let's take a quick break here because I still have more to share. All right. Keep listening to uh, Stacey Connects. My guest today is JD, but really mostly it's just me. <laughs> we'll be right back. Do you feel challenged by the thought of getting ready every day? Want to make a great first impression, but don't feel your wardrobe represents who you really are? Does the thought of trying to find great clothing that fits your body and lifestyle have you overwhelmed? Michael Bruce Image Consulting is a premier image consulting company that can help you get your style back on track. Contact them at michaelbruceimageconsulting.com or call them at 425-214-4155 and start that conversation today. Stacy Connects, it's not just my business, it's my superpower. Whether you need the right tone and messaging for a new venture, or you've plateaued with your current one, I can help. I connect clients with themselves and their potential. Then I identify unique solutions that translate your brand into messaging that connects your target audience with your business. Go to stacyconnects.com to connect with me and your messaging. Talk radio that will get you thinking. Alternative Talk, 1150. Hey, we're back with Stacey Connects. Uh, my guest today is JD because he's just helping queue up questions so that <laughs> I can just... Give me the chance to talk about Portugal. Yes. It's all right. Um, okay. So the walking tour was amazing. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to get me hate mail. I haven't seen nor have I read any of the Harry Potter books or movies. Whoa. Yeah. I know. I don't think it'll produce hate mail. I think it'll be incredulous mail. Like, why? I I haven't read Gone with the Wind either or seen the movie. Very I, few people have read Gone with the Wind. A lot of people have seen the movie. Well, so my kids have it read it. It didn't age well. Yeah. <laughs> like, right? Like, where like he's Gigi. Like, yeah, like where <laughs> Singing he's thank heaven for little girls. It didn't age right. well. They grow up in the most delightful way. Um, uh, so to the ground. <laughs> when we were in Lisboa and we were on the Tuk Tuk tour, we were passing by where they did the, like, the shipyard. Mm-hmm. And there was a bunch of students playing on the grass. I don't know how else to describe it. And they were wearing like these black jackets that were like capes. And I was like, is this like vampire school? Like, what is this? And look like the Hogwarts uniform. Yes. So he's like, oh, no, that's university students. They have a uniform. And I was like, well, that's interesting. So tucked that away in my brain, like, huh, whatever. Then when we were walking around with Francisca, she's like, well, you know, J.K. Rowling, the author of Harry Potter, she taught at the Porto University for a number of years. She taught English, uh, which makes me wonder, like, our English or her English? Like, anyway. Um, and she married a man from Porto, and they had a daughter. And she started to point out some of the similarities, like the uniforms that they have at Hogwarts, where there's, like, the cape angle, is 100% stolen from Porto University as we were watching events the next the next night and they're all meeting in the um the the quad if you will mm-hmm. and i'm like this is like there's something brewing here as they're all in their uniforms and they all have with each area of study that they have two colors to represent what they're studying you know kind of like in harry potter ah. and then in the center of the quad there is a big statue that has uh lion heads kind of like one of the 
houses mm-hmm. from Harry Potter. Then there was um, the dictator. His name, like, it's either, like, Slytherin or Snape or whatever that guy's name. Sirius? Sirius. Okay. Sirius. Well, there's Sirius Black. There's Slytherin I don't know. House. There's One of the bad guys. Snape. If you look up the dictator, that's who it was. Did J.K. Rowling spend a lot of time in Portugal? Yes. That's what I'm saying. She taught there. Married a guy from Porto. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yes. Okay. And then there's a library that, a library, a bookstore that has this really funky staircase that now it has thousands of people going in. It's a tourist site um, because the stairs are very similar to, I guess, the stairs in Harry Potter where they move. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that. I've read all the books and seen the movie. Well, now you need to go. I know. So that you can it. see what's his name doing the with his arm. Prince Henry, Henry the Navigator. Navigator. <laughs> <laughs> and and the tsunami tiles and the Harry Potter mm-hmm. stuff. Speak on Harry the Navigator real quick. He was the third son of the king, had nothing to do, no inheritance, no nothing. He just had time on his hands. So he took his money and created the navigation school that went to with that. So just just, just a lazy son. Just a bored, just a bored kid. <laughs> I didn't know that about about yes. Rowling or any of that stuff. Yes, that's, that's interesting. So interesting. I don't think that's going to get you hate mail. Now, what would get you hate mail is if I said there's absolutely nothing original in those books other than just how it's all put together. But well, I'm not the only person who said that. Based on what I saw and heard from Francisca, I would. <laughs> I'm like, okay. I mean, I suppose you do pull things. You do. You do. As a writer, you do that. You do that. But I'm like, huh. You should, if you ever get bored, look up the comparisons between Harry Potter and the Star Wars movies. That's fascinating. Uh-huh. Interesting. If you like that kind of stuff. No, I'll let you do that. Grace does. Yes, she does. <laughs> um, so that's kind of a fun thing. So if you're oh, looking for another reason to go to uh, Portugal, Porto specifically, and you're a Harry Potter fan... There's a, You're lot welcome. To, there's a lot to look at. There's a lot to look at there. That's interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, we took a river cruise. Now, I would not do well being really stupid wealthy. <laughs> let, me ex- let me explain. <laughs> that was your takeaway. Yes. All right. So it's raining that day. So like nothing like a river cruise in the rain. <laughs> but it did have a top and it was this lovely boat. And it's just the three of us. It's Pete, it's Will, it's me. And then there's like... The captain and his first mate, Gilligan, but it was a woman. And it was a three-hour tour for lunch. So we... So was Marianne. <laughs> so, well, yeah, she or was ginger. kind of a Marianne. Now she was not a ginger. More Marianne. And okay. so we get on this boat, and it's not raining in the beginning, but the area's covered, but we're like, we can see stuff and whatever. And we're sitting there, and Will sends me a text from across the boat, which is not a big boat. And he's like, are we supposed to be doing something? (laughs) And I'm like, I think we're just supposed to be enjoying the cruise. The river cruise. And there wasn't the tour guide that's like, you know, we would ask questions and she would answer them. But it was one of those you're like, for somebody that always feels the need to fill the silence, I it took me a minute to just be like, and I'm on a river? And there are six bridges. And this is beautiful. And I will just look. And I will just look and take a bunch of pictures that later, if my dad were still living, he would look at them and say, there's another building on the Doro. <laughs> <laughs> like he did with my honeymoon when he's like, I see there's another castle on the Rhine. 
So then she's like, would you like to have a drink? And, you know, it's like, sure. And we just felt like we were like, we're not good at just like going in and being a Kardashian and being like, yeah, I want that. Give it to me. Mm -hmm. Diet Coke. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like it just, it didn't. So, you know, we're having a very nice uh, meats and cheeses and quiet trip, I would think. Very quiet trip with this young woman who has only been doing this for a year and she was basically like the cook. And then they move us into the inside of the boat even more so. And they have us all, we're side boothing. They have us at a table with three of us sitting next to each other. And they had this amazing meal. But we're just sort of sitting there like, here I am, side boosting with my son and my husband, <laughs> looking out the window that I can't see because it's raining. And it was just a funny experience where. Outside your experience previously. Yes. There was nobody to like mm-hmm. interact with. And what's funny is though, those become, in my experience, those become some of the most memorable things that last the longest. In our memory are those things where we're, things are slightly off kilter from what we're used to. Yes. And just unique enough, but just familiar enough for us to sort of have one foot in either side. Those tend to be what we remember most. No. What we're going to remember most. Oh boy. Is the cooking class with Vitor. Thank you for asking. Okay. So Catherine said- How was that cooking class? Oh my gosh. Thank you for asking. You're welcome. So- Wanted to hear about it. We got there and again, it was pouring- so we went to Portugal to get Seattle weather. And um, he invites us upstairs. He's, it's above an Irish pub, Eric. Um, his kitchen space, there's a, a- They're everywhere. Really? The Irish. I- Irish pubs. <laughs> the, Irish pubs. Yeah. the Irish are everywhere. Well, I know that, but it, all right. Anyway. So their pubs would follow. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so- we go in and it's this beautiful space and he's this like dynamic guy that used to sell insurance and decided that like that's not for me anymore and was very emotive and expressive and he had everything all set up and the meal was mussels in uh, wine and um, some fresh, his personal olive oil um, and then um, with toast points and then there was... Um, a chicken stew done over leek, broccoli, and potato mash, Ooh. and then an almond tart. And so Sounds each great. of us, it was amazing. Sounds and great. each of us yeah. did something. I made the mussels. Will made the chicken stew. Pete made the almond tart. It was awesome. Uh, I feel like he's like the alcoholic chef because it was like, here, have some green wine. Have some more green wine. Have some more green wine. Now have this. Have that. And what was supposed to be like a three-hour cooking class turned into like a five-hour hang. It's kind of fun, though. It was great. And I'm pretty sure that um, Pete has a new boyfriend. I mean, reluctantly, because, again, not Pete's type. But I'm going to show you the picture, J.D. Okay. Then you can scroll. There's Vitor and Pete. And they were so cute together. I was like, oh, my gosh. It was... Yeah, Vitor is very friendly. <laughs> well, Pete was just tired. Yeah, well, well, but you know, but but there's also Vitor and and your son. Yes, and and Vitor got around. And, but Vitor is not treating your son the way Vitor was 
treating Pete. No. And I found out, as Pete said, in only the way that you could, that everything's going great for him, but his marriage isn't great. Oh, Vitor shared this. Because, you know, that's like, remember, we went from the three-hour cooking class to the five-hour hang. That's right. And then we had like the three-hour nap after because we had a hangover. Um, (laughs) But I highly recommend that if you go on a trip to another country, do something like that. Like if you work with a travel agent for nothing else, like work with a travel agent so that you can go to an experience like that. We learned about cooking sausage over this little roasting pan Mm -hmm. uh, or this roasting dish. And I was like, I need that. You pour Everclear. Yes, kids. That's right. Everclear into the bottom of the pan. You put the sausage on top and then you light it on fire and it cooks. I would think. And naturally, (laughs) that's the thing that on last Friday that we had um, as a family when we celebrated Charlie's birthday. Oh, you did that? Yeah, I did. Oh, that's cool. It was so good. Charlie's like, the house is going to burn down. It didn't, by the way. It didn't burn down. Um, but that was just amazing. Yeah, anything that gets you hands-on with that kind of stuff. I think there's something about, you know, there's a great part in traveling, particularly abroad, of seeing things and going places. But the doing of something kind of gets you into the mode of what it must be like when you're not there mm-hmm. for a trip to see everything. Uh, and I think the best access point for that seems to be food. Oh, It yeah. just seems to be food. You know, and that's to me, that's why food is just as much of an art in these various countries as any of the things that you're looking at, historical or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And again, something you can take home with you, literally, right? Or do from home. Totally. That part's great. Well, and he was, t- I was like, wow, your olive oil is like, it's that beautiful, like green color, the same color that when we did the olive oil press last year in Italy, mm-hmm. that same, like, really fresh. And he's like, oh, well, I, you know, I have a small little, um, farm that you know produces it i'm like of course you do and he's like and i only give it with family and i was like i mean i saw you sitting next to pete i feel like we're family yeah totally but he respectfully declined (laughs) um i want i want to be able to do something like that like i want i want to have my own small little farm where i can press olives right olive oil and have people come in and show them how to cook good stuff it was amazing Fun to be that, fun to have that as what you do. And you get to meet people from around the world all the time. What a great gig. He had a group in from Jim Bean and Ah. like as a corporate event and they had a great time. And then two days later, he got a notification from one of the, his partners that he, you know, hooks up with these different tourism uh, places. And they were like, hey, the guys from Jim Bean left you a package. And it was a big box of all of these like really fabulous whiskeys or whatever they are nice gift yeah right Mm. so anyway all right we're out of time i'll post some pictures on my social media which my um my instagram that you're going to want to go to to check out is actually my personal one yes that's right i am sharing it it is one smart cookie and i'll post some pictures so that you can see them it was an amazing trip and if you're interested in learning more, contact me or go to Catherine Gherkin, who helped set up the trip. She's at Gherkin Getaways. Um, thank you for asking me questions and then not saying anything. Hey, thank you for sharing them. I wanted to hear all about it. Got me thinking about it and reminded me why I want to get on a trip here pretty soon. Myself. There you go. Have a damn good week, damn. everybody. <laughs>